Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 655. Unfortunately, this past week, we lost a very legendary wrestler, Terry Funk, at the age of 79, uh, which so many things can be said about Terry Funk. Of course, he was a former NWA champion, a multi-time ECW champion, a multi-time tag team champion in different promotions with his brother Dory Funk, a WWE tag team champion with Cactus Jack in WWE, obviously, uh, and just all around one of the most badass wrestlers in the history of pro wrestling, uh, appearing in films like Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, Over the Top, and Paradise Alley with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, so He's got a couple of albums the... out, too. Yeah, it's so sad. I mean, I always marked out whenever I saw him appear in a TV show or movie, like especially Roadhouse, because I'm such yeah. a fan of Roadhouse. So, like, it was always cool seeing uh, somebody that you're familiar with appear. And, and to be honest, I, I don't know if I was really that familiar with Terry Funk before his WWE um, introduction with like Chainsaw Charlie. I feel like I knew of him because of the death matches he was doing, but I didn't really know him until around that time, and especially like Beyond the Mat is right. where I got really introduced to him even further because I didn't know the territories and stuff like that. Um, but I, you barely ever hear any bad stories about Terry Funk. You don't hear any bad stories about Terry Funk. Uh, it just seemed like such a, a good person and, you know, very unfortunate. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of that entire, his entire run with WWE. I was a, such a huge fan for, especially at Dumpster, spot with new age outlaws well, his later his later run at least yeah <laughs> you weren't no. aware of his earlier one but uh yeah. his last match in wwe was at one night stand 2006 where he teamed up with tommy dreamer and beulah mcgillicuddy to take on edge Mick Foley, and lita obviously everybody uh if you are a fan of professional wrestling you know how much terry funk was a mentor to Mick Foley. uh he did a few more dates after that match, like Wrestle Kingdom, I think it was four. He did PWG Kurt Russell, uh, Kurt Russell reunion two, the reunioning. But it's just crazy to see how much he changed from like the beginning of his career to becoming that legendary professional wrestler. Like going to ECW was crazy because he was already in his fifties, but it gave them what they needed to get to that next level and and maybe be on the same level as WWE and WCW. And that's how highly regarded Terry Funk was. And I, I wish I got to meet him and I, I see him wrestle live. I only saw him induct Mick Foley into the hall of fame in 2013, but you can go watch his matches on Peacock and WWE network. You can watch him wrestle Ric Flair at clash of champions nine uh, Terry Funk versus Raven at Barely Legal 97 is a good match. Uh, Terry Funk versus Mick Foley from Monday Night Raw in 1998. I think it's May, May 1998. Uh, there's so many more matches of Terry Funk's. And our condolences go out to his family, his friends, and all the fans around the world. And uh, now it's very, very difficult to either even gather thoughts on this, but Triple H announced uh, that he received a phone call from WWE Hall of Famer Mike Rotunda, 
who informed them of the tragic news that Bray Wyatt unexpectedly passed away. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about a legend, and now we're going to be talking about another legend in his own right. I mean, it's really difficult because we just found out not even five minutes ago about this news. And so it's just really difficult. I mean, Bray Wyatt, we were always a fan of, always rooting for. I mean, he's a accomplished uh, within the WWE, WWE champion, universal champion, Raw Tag Team Champion with Matt Hardy. He was SmackDown Tag Team Champion with Orton and Harper during that, like, Freebird Rules era. Um, yeah, it's so hard to come up with words right now to speak about this passing of Bray Wyatt. It's It just doesn't feel right to even say his name right now. Right. Especially because we thought, we thought we would see him again. Yeah. But... It's very, 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 very unfortunate. Um, and like Dave said, we we were fans from the start of the Wyatt family. Even before that, he was Husky Harris. I thought it was cool that we saw, that we saw second generational, third generational talent in that version of NXT and everything. But it's just it's it's just absolutely gutting to to read something like that. I know, especially like. It just always seemed like this was a person who loved his fans. And you can see that every time he was in the wrestling ring and every time he caught a promo, especially with the Fireflies. Um, some of the most gripping promos of all time. And it's just so... Some of the best gimmicks of all time, too. So creative. Uh, Bray Wyatt was on a creativity level that nobody's at. Um, and just, just, I don't know what to say. Just really our thoughts and condolences go out to all of the, his family and friends and uh, just totally, totally gutted. Yeah. And I, I wish I got to meet him and tell him how much he meant to me as a superstar. Obviously, if you watch the cooking with Brandon stuff on YouTube, you'll see it in that. But it's just it's just absolutely just just shocking. And we want to pay tribute to both Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt with a ten bell salute. Welcome to Marking Out Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 655. 
Make sure that you check us out over at markingout.com. Go listen over on Spotify, Apple, welcome back, and wherever else you may be listening to podcasts. Give us a like on Facebook. Give us a follow on Twitter and on Instagram and also on Twitch and TikTok. You can check us out at MarkingOut11 or at MarkingOut. Make sure you buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at DavidPTDPT. Follow Brandon on Twitter and Instagram at BTTG161. And Chris at ChrisSweenDog on Twitter and CMSweeney85 on Instagram. But, Brandon, how are you doing? Still not 100% awesome as always, but uh, I'm doing as best as I can right now. Did you do anything fun this week? Um, Did I do anything fun this week? Honestly, I can't even remember. I can't even remember. I went, sure. to, I went to that cookie place, Crumble Cookies, on Friday, and... Uh, I guess it went viral on TikTok. It's all over the country. And I guess people either really hate them or or like them. I thought they were good. I I believe they're made to order in freshly baked cookies. Um and I, I got the there was milk chocolate chip, cookies and cream, caramel shortbread with Twix on it, and then there was a mystery cookie, which was chocolate chocolate chip. And it was a bit pricey, but, like, I definitely understand the craze and why people are obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't necessarily think it's worth the amount of money that it is. Why? What's but the I price do, tag? I think four of them were, like, almost, uh, maybe, like, 18 bucks almost. Whoa. Yo. The, yo. You, it, yeah. It, you, it, we're talking about cookies. Yeah, and they're big cookies. They're 18. solid cookies, but four dollars around four or something for each cookie, I don't think is super worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and I a also lot. I I went to another place, a restaurant called the Corner Galley in Massapequa. Ever been there? Ever hear of it? It sounds familiar. They've been open since the seventies, and I don't think they've updated much. But they offer unlimited salad. And soda is included with your entree, so that's like a huge plus. There you go. <laughs> and I got a grilled chicken sandwich with mozzarella cheese on garlic bread. I thought it was uh, it was decent. It wasn't like holy crap, this is great food, but you're getting you're getting unlimited salad and soda included with that. And I thought it was it was good for the the amount of money that it was. Mm-hmm. So that's basically all I did this week. All right. Well, let's get onto it and talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Kicking off with Sami Zayn. Uh, in uh, Quebec City, it was really cool to hear all those Olay chants for like, I don't know if it was five minutes or so, but it seemed like a lot of time. I thought that was pretty cool. And Sami Zayn really just said one sentence before getting interrupted by the Judgment Day. And then Kevin Owens showed up to help Sami Zayn brawl. And Kevin Owens laid out a challenge for them for a match. Let's face any member of the Judgment Day. Later on, we saw J.D. McDonough interviewed. 
and said that his friendship with Finn Balor should make the Judgment Day stronger. And then Finn Balor agreed with that. Rhea Ripley's like, we need to discuss who's facing Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And we saw J.D. McDonough show up. And we we have pins, a bunch of pins put in there. Yeah, it the Judgment definitely Day, comes there's back. Like inner, there's inside conflict coming from the Judgment Day. And... The first match, though, we saw was New Day picking up the victory over Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle. Uh, New Day which, really coming back strong. I, and I completely expected them to kind of... I either expected for uh, Drew McIntyre to turn on Matt Riddle and or to have them win this match. And mm-hmm. neither of that happened. So... And it seems like New Day was like uh, they they told um, they told Matt Riddle and and McIntyre later on that they'll they'll give them a rematch after they they face off for the the championships I believe or not no after they face off against the Raiders yeah because the Raiders they got involved they attacked Drew McIntyre in that match. Yeah, I thought it was weird that commentary tried to play it off like they didn't see who, who it was. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. how are you... It was Eric, though. Eric attacked Drew McIntyre from behind. Yeah, I was so. like, how are you missing these guys? <laughs> I liked uh, McIntyre doing that overhead belly-to-belly suplex over the top rope. Mm-hmm. So Matt Riddle did like a uh, a flipping senton to the to New Day. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was an awesome spot. And hopefully, maybe this means that the Raiders are going to be like, because right now, as of right now, where where they stand, they're looking somewhat stronger, I guess. I would agree with that. I think they are. We also had a Shayna Baszler vignette, which I liked her. Uh, I liked them showing the the bones breaking via animation in every, like, move and, and hit that she made. Yeah. So hopefully we see bigger things from Shayna Baszler coming up. Very, it doesn't seem like they forgot about her. Very so. like Mortal Kombat ish with the bone breaking and stuff like that. You know, I, I like I I hope that like we said that this is going to be like a Shayna Baszler that should have been at Elimination Chamber. But next up, yeah, Chad Gable pick up the victory over Gunther via countout. I mean, this matchup was really good. We're both big fans of both of these guys. Uh, Chad Gable getting that one up on Guther by flipping him with the German suplex over the barricade to the outside of the barricade, going into the ring and really making the count, I think, on like the nine. Yeah. Uh, picking up the victory. And now he's the first person to beat Guther since coming up to the main roster. That's so true. And I'm, I think that if you were going to do it, it's safe that it happens this way, you know? Yeah, because now there has to be some sort of rematch at Payback or something. Yeah, exactly. Because Gunther retained the Intercontinental Championship here. So, mm-hmm. But both of them, they, they did a phenomenal job here. The chop from Gunther that he caught Chad Gable with midair, I thought that was a, a crazy <laughs> chop. But yeah, Chad Gable's sick. a beast in the ring, and this was a great match. And then Gunther yelled at Imperium later on. And then Kaiser kind of made it seem like it was all Fabian Eichner's fault. So I don't I don't want to see them split up. But again, we see stuff like this where 
Imperium has cracks here and there. Not as much as the Judgment Day do right now. Yeah. So, But after that, Cody Rhodes was interviewed and he was asked about what happened last week. And he's like, well, we can't do this out here. Let's go. Let's go out to the arena. So they go out to the stage, him and Byron Saxton. Uh, big pop for Cody name dropping the JBL and Cole show. That was, that was uh, such a great show. <laughs> Yeah, that was what I think that's literally like the last thing we tweeted before JBL blocked us was I was putting over the JBL and Cole show. It was one of my favorite things to watch. I wonder if you but, said uh, something that really pedoed him. I don't know. Yeah, but I thought it was a pretty pointless interview, but he just hyped up Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So you had to know something was happening with that later on, at least. Mm-hmm. And then we go into uh, a taped segment with Shinsuke Nakamura with what he whispered into Seth's ear last week. He said he knows about Seth's back. It's been broken for many years, apparently. And he's always in pain, which I thought was an interesting promo. I liked this style for Nakamura. Yeah, it, it showed Nakamura is okay with preying on a weakness, and he knows the weakness is there. And... I mean, I think it's really, I thought it was a good promo. It's like a more darker side of Nakamura, you know, could, I mean, it makes you kind of believe that could Nakamura take out Seth Rollins. I mean, he knows his weakness. He knows his back. What else if he does a Kinshasa right to his back? Yeah. And then later on, Seth Rollins responded and he said that the back injury isn't really something he discusses in public. Which it was brought to my attention that he has very publicly spoken about it, apparently, back in the uh, a few years ago. So this is like a real thing that, that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but Seth said that he doesn't know how much longer he'll be able to do this because of his back. And he also said that if, if Shinsuke Nakamura is willing to bring family into it, which Nakamura did, that he better be ready to face him face to face. So he challenged Nakamura to show up next week on Monday Night Raw. I guess before their match at Payback. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. After that, we saw Rhea Ripley pick up the victory over Candice LeRae. Dominic got involved pretty early on. And Indy Hartwell kind of like backed him up. But the match was kind of quick. It was pretty short. Candice got locked in the prism trap. And uh, that was really the end of the match. The big, the main portion of this segment was Raquel Rodriguez showing up afterwards on crutches. And she ended up throwing her crutches at Rhea Ripley. She's completely healed up. They brawled. Rhea Ripley recovered a little bit, but Raquel took over and this just sets up their match at payback. I mean, for those that don't know or remember, I mean... Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez, uh, best of friends. Yes, best of friends. But also that those matches that they had in NXT were probably one of my fa- some of my favorites, especially the no DQ match that they ended up having. I believe it was a no DQ match that they had. Just unbelievable, uh, the two of yeah. them. So don't underestimate what the both of them are going to put together. Yeah. After that, we saw Tommaso Ciampa cut a promo back to the the stylings of NXT, I guess. We did see him do this on the main roster a little bit where he's sitting in the chair by himself. 
Uh, and he said that he was defeated by Chad Gable, and Chad Gable got an Intercontinental Championship match. He lost to Shinsuke Nakamura, and now Nakamura is getting a World Championship match. He didn't want to come back for something like this. And he's here to take over. He's going to do something about it. What he's going to do, we don't know. Yeah. After that, we had Miz coming out. He cut a promo about um, about LA Knight losing a, a U.S. championship match on SmackDown last week. And then we, we knew Miz was going to have the whole... Uh, he he was he set up. I'm gonna have a much bigger and badder opponent, and I had said last week someone like Gilberg. So I wasn't far off with that. We ended up seeing Akira Tozawa be the person that Miz handpicked as his opponent. Tozawa picked up his first victory singles match victory on Monday Night Raw in what was it like five years or something like long that? time you know i think miz Since winning the cruiserweight championship yeah miz just underestimating his uh his opponent and uh la knight showed up during this tozawa and him had like a yeah or or tozawa actually had a, a yeah and a, a really off i guess with miz during that promo but when la knight came out Akira Tozawa got like a quick drop kick on Miz. And I thought that was going to be like the end of the match where it's like a quick, like one, two, three victory. But the match went a lot longer than I expected it to. The outcome was exactly what I thought though. Yeah. Miz got distracted by LA Knight on commentary and LA Knight hit him with the v- the BFT afterwards. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it got Akira Tozawa yeah, a just... match and victory on Monday Night Raw. And a solid fan moment with uh, LA Knight involvement. Yeah. Uh, also, it was announced that John Cena is going to be on SmackDown next week, as well as part yeah. of the uh, the Superstar Spectacle in India, which is his first yeah, time wrestling he's... in India. Which is like that's I, I that's a crazy stat that he's never wrestled in India. Yeah, he's but I back. guess WWE is not really done many shows there. Um, but not too I many. Think I think maybe we could see John Cena involved with Miz, LA Knight, and Grayson Waller, perhaps. Okay. Like part of me feels like that. It just feels like it could be like a tag match there. So, okay. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, after that, Becky Lynch had a, a promo where she said that she's unstoppable because win or lose, she always fights. And Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark interrupted, and Trish, she played to the crowd, I guess, and then made them look d- like dummies, because she was, like, happy to be in Canada, and then, like, bam roasted, Canada sucks. <laughs> yeah, she definitely um, played it up. Yeah, and she said that she was scared to fight in her first cage match, but she killed everything else that she's ever been scared of. So... And then also, before Trish Stratus came out, she, it seemed like... Uh, Becky Lynch was going to announce something with Zoe Stark, which turned out to be that they have a false count anywhere match next week in Memphis. So whenever I hear something like that, I, I hold it up to St. Valentine's day massacre, but it never is mm-hmm. <laughs> where it ends in the river. Yeah. But, uh, I don't think that'll happen, mm-hmm. but they have a match next week. No. We'll see what happens after yeah. that. Chelsea green and Piper Niven picked up the victory over Caden Carter and Katana chance. Um, the champions were interviewed beforehand and Piper made Chelsea stop talking 
and just go to the ring to have the match. And then they aired a video package for Piper Niven to like remind everyone of how dominant she can be. So. And if you didn't remember, I mean, the match definitely reminded you too. You know, I don't think the, I don't think the crowd was super into it though. I don't either. And I have to say, um, some with the Samantha Irvine's announcement for Chelsea green, I don't know if I'm starting to get a poor vibe from it. I don't know. What? It, it like the chain, the high pitch change. Chelsea. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If she needs to be so different for so many different wrestlers. Why? Wow, I thought you liked that. I did. I don't know. It may just be today. Ask me again well, next week. <laughs> Carter and Chance, they were doing constant tags, which I thought was nice. And the crowd, uh, they popped for the, the handstand tag move that they did together. Yeah, that move was sick. And then they, they kind of popped. They woke up for that that finish, the crossbody from Piper Niven. Yeah, and that crossbody is just nasty. She held both titles up afterwards and carried Chelsea to the back. Yeah. So... I, that, I think Judgment that Piper Niven's going to be carrying them for a while. But yeah, as you were mentioning, Judgment Day picked up the victory over Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but it was by DQ, which this is exactly how Monday Night Raw should have ended, in my opinion. But uh, should have ended with just the DQ? With Judgment, yeah. I I wanted to see Judgment Day actually pick up the victory. I didn't, I didn't want to see Trouble in Paradise. I didn't want to see... I wanted to see Judgment Day just come together, have so that. So Rhea Ripley told Damian Priest that she was taking it into her own hands because they can't settle on stuff or whatever. And she dragged Finn Balor out and yelled at both of them. I thought we were going to see different people in this match, but they went into the ring to brawl. J.D. McDonough showed up and tossed in that Money in the Bank briefcase, and Kevin Owens used it to hit Finn Balor with. That caused a disqualification. Damian Priest attacked Kevin Owens and yelled at J.D. McDonough. Sammy took J.D. out. Dominic jumped in, and then everyone was chanting for Cody Rhodes. They all knew what was happening. And Cody came out, and it sets up the actual main event. And Monday Night Raw kind of seems like it's been just like set on replay. Yeah, it, I could, with like I different iterations of these matches. Yeah, so it ends with Cody and Sammy and Kevin Owens picking up the victory over the Judgment Day, but the fans—it's so weird because like I'm sitting at home, I'm like, this just seems like Groundhog's Day, where I'm watching the same thing over and over again. The fans on, on at the in the Canadian crowd there—they were fully into this match. Mm-hmm. They were into it when when Rhea Ripley body slammed Kevin Owens um, outside the ring. Yeah. But she crotched Sami Zayn from the top rope at one point. Judgment Day, I guess, um, the faces fully recovered. And it was Dominic who ended up losing. He got hit with the Huluva kick. He got hit with that stunner. Cody Taking could have the, gotten uh, the victory there, but he gave it to to KO and Sammy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing too, because it's like these titles haven't been defended in over a month, I think, at this point. So it's like, not that this was a tag title match, but 
the champions definitely needed this victory. They needed the victory, but I still would. I still like the I raw. Like, yeah, the raw main event scene needs a reset right now. I agree. I I did like. I liked how Kevin Owens actually got caught using the briefcase for the DQ. Like I, I would have been totally fine with that being actually the finish, and then maybe just brawling to finish Raw. But like you said, it's been on repeat a bit. Yeah. But uh, that's Monday Night Raw moving over to NXT, which opened up with a uh, pre-taped segment from The Family, uh, where I guess they, they did a rundown of Heat Wave. Is that what it was called? Yeah, Heat Wave. And they, they were having like a pool party. I thought it was a fun way to open the show, but I don't think it was really needed. I think they could have literally just gone into Ilya Dragunov and Trick Williams. Who tore it down. Yeah, this was a great, great opener. And as we thought, Dragunov picking up the victory over Trick Williams. I mean, I'm a huge fan of his finisher too. Coming right across the face with that elbow. Well, the forearm. Yeah. Just nasty and really holding down that strong style aspect. And I thought it was a good match for Trick because he was able to, like, actually... Trick needed that big time. Mm -hmm. He needs uh, to showcase his abilities away from Carmelo Hayes. And even, like, uh, getting... He he busted Dragunov open with that knee to the face. It's like, you can see there's another side of Trick Williams where he can be that next-level superstar. Yeah, totally agreed. And hopefully we keep on continuing to see him step up into that role. Next up, we and, had and Ivy now, Ni- Yeah. Wait, before that, that, though, I, uh, uh, Dragunov told Wesley that nothing now stands in his way of, of being champion. And Lee was like, brother, I'm winning that title later on, so I stand in your way. So, pause on that. We go to Ivy Nile, picking up the victory over Ava. I'm yeah. definitely glad that um, we got more of Ava's move set here, but it I was over pretty quickly. Yeah, it was definitely different to have her lose to Ivy Nile. I don't know. I don't know what to like expect she got from locked, Ava. She got locked in that dragon sleeper pretty quickly in the match. Mm-hmm. The main thing from this was schism members that surrounded the ring got in the ring and Ivy Nile started taking them out. And they dragged Ava away from Ivy. And we saw Ava speak later on saying, Diamond Mine's a failure. Come find me. You know where I am. Prove me wrong. And then Ivy showed up and she tried to get the two guys from Schism to get Ivy. But like we've been thinking for weeks, it was the Creeds. Yeah. And then they kidnapped her and they were like, uh, we want a cage match next week against the Dyad where if we win, we're reinstated. I don't think that fully makes sense, but not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. And my figures are still crossed that the Dyad have like, uh, are, are not leaving WWE and we'll see some something bigger and better from them. Yeah. After that, Noam Dar picked up the victory over Nathan Fraser to become the new NXT Heritage Cup holder. We saw earlier on uh, Nathan Fraser asked Tyler Bate to be in his corner, which part of me thought we'd see 
Tyler Bate turn on Fraser, how Trent Seven kind of turned on Tyler Bate. Okay. But the last, like, 40 seconds of round one I thought was, like, super entertaining. Round two took place during the commercial break. So that sucked, but Dabakato came out and attacked Tyler Bate. And Noam Dar was able to get a pin over Nathan Fraser off of that. I just think that's super goofy that all that took place during, during the commercial break. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of things being taken place during the commercial break. I feel like I, I understand wanting to entertain the live crowd, but I feel like the televised crowd is really where the storytelling is, not the live crowd. So yeah. not having that on the televised crowd is, I don't think, a good idea. But Noam Dar hit a cheap shot like right after the bell of round three. And then Nathan Fraser tied it up in round four after hitting that suplex twisting neck breaker. Superplex, uh, I meant. And Lash Legend ended up holding on to Nathan Fraser so he couldn't pin Noam Dar in round five. And then it goes to round six. I was not expecting to see that that bump from Oro Mensa off the ring apron. He landed right on Jakara. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to see that, and Noam Dar hit that Nova roller to pick up the victory in the final round. So, and I, I really wasn't expecting Noam Dar to win that. Yeah. And then later on, Noam Dar was served with papers from a Heritage Cup committee, and they announced that there's going to be a global tournament next week where the winners will get a shot at the, the cup at No Mercy. And Noam Dar then celebrated that he doesn't have to defend it for about five weeks. So this tournament is G1 style. So I think that's kind of cool. It's like a round-robin tournament. Mm-hmm. We know Tyler Bates in it so far. We know Joe Coffey's in it. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we see Brian Pillman Jr. debut in this. Uh, I'm hoping would... for worldwide talent like May Young Classic, like Cruiserweight Classic. That's very true. I would be down for that. So after that, we saw Tiffany Stratton come out, uh, gearing up for the quote-unquote fall of Tiff Tiff. I don't think they should be calling it that because the fall of anything is bad. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're talking about the season, though. But yeah, yeah. She said the title's not going anywhere, and she's going down uh, as one of the best champions in NXT history. Better than Bailey, better than Charlotte, better than Asuka. Better than Becky Lynch, who's not been champion in NXT there. Which they also mentioned later on with Becky Lynch commenting. She she tweeted out saying she was never champion. Now there's rumors of Becky Lynch going down to NXT to do something. So I think that's cool. That That's interesting. I never really thought about that before, that she never did that. Shayna Baszler also tweeted. She's like, I'm the longest combined reigning champion in NXT. You didn't mention me. Mm-hmm. But Gigi Dolan interrupted, saying that she's the next champion. She brought out, uh, brought up Tiffany Stratton tapping in her last match. Then Kiana James interrupted and told Gigi Dolan that she doesn't deserve a title shot and she's got wins over her, so she deserves a shot. Blair Davenport came out and then they all made fun of her for getting beat up by Roxanne in a convenience store. And Tiffany Stratton went to leave, but Roxanne Perez came out pointed out that she beat Blair Davenport at the bash. And she was like, oh, I have something for you to Tiffany. And then popped her in the face and it led to a brawl between the four. Tiffany Stratton got away. And that sets up a fatal four-way to see who will be the, the next 
competitor for the women's championship against Tiffany Stratton. I kind of I like this entire segment with it. I think that the women's division. But who's within, next? Huh? Who's next? <sighs> Million dollar question right there. Million dollar question. But next um, up, you had the Gulak Gulak training session taking place. Yeah, where Charlie Dempsey choked Miles Bourne out, which I guess is all part of the training. Um, not much else to mention from that, but we saw Dragon Lee and Lyra Valkyria pick up the victory over the Judgment Day, which I was kind of expecting more from this. I enjoyed it still, but I was expecting more. And we saw yeah. Raquel Rodriguez show up to brawl with with uh, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, I definitely... I expected a little bit more, but also, what's your take on Dragon Lee pick up the victory over current champion, uh... Dirty Dom. Well, I think that means... I think it's been building for a while that we would see Dominic versus Dragon Lee, where Dragon Lee would eventually dethrone Dominic. Okay. So, I do think that just furthers that. I don't know how the referee didn't really see Rhea Ripley get beat down by Raquel Rodriguez there. Mm-hmm. But that was what the setup was for Dragon Lee to pick up, pick up that victory. Yeah. We saw a clip of Thea Hale from last week where J.C. Jane interrupted and put her over. And then she told her that people like them always get through it. So now I'm kind of questioning maybe we'll see some sort of team or working relationship form between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Where it's like J.C. takes Thea under her wing to show her like, oh, there's more to life than always being cheery or whatever. If you want, if you're down in the dumps or whatever, and you want to hate somebody, then hate them. Show us that side. Let's let's get the that side out of you. Maybe that'll happen. I have no idea. Yeah, we'll have to see. After that, Baron Corbin versus Von Wagner did not happen. Corbin attacked Von Wagner before the match, and Von Wagner gets the upper hand, goes to put Baron Corbin through the table, and Braun Breaker shows up. Spears the absolute heck out of Von Wagner. This was like, that spear was totally out of nowhere. Wearing a t-shirt that says best spear in the business or something like that. Yeah. So, I I think, I don't know if it's a triple threat. No, you can't do it. I don't know what it's going to be. Triple threat, singles match, tables match, I don't know. Ooh. It's a, I, I think it's going to end up being a tables match. But you can't do like a triple threat tables match. I mean, you can. First person through a table loses. Eliminated. Yeah. You could do elimination style. Well, after that, we saw a Jack promo cut on Eddie Thorpe about how he cost him a chance at winning or facing Carmelo Hayes for the championship. So they have a match next week. And then we go into the main event where Carmelo Hayes picks up the victory over Wesley to retain the NXT championship. The craziest spot from this match for me was that table spot with the the reverse springboard DDT from Carmelo Hayes. That spot was incredible. That, That was fantastic. He goes on to miss nothing but net. He got hit with the cardiac kick. They They all... Carmelo Hayes rolled out of the ring. Wes Lee dove through the ropes and hit his head on the barricade. That was a crazy spot, too. Yeah. 
He gets in right before the 10 count, and that's when Carmelo Hayes actually connects with nothing but net to pick up the victory. And it's like, with NXT, will there be something else after that? Will there not be? And in this case, there wasn't, so... Yeah, you, you never know when there is going to be, which I always do like about NXT, but I'm okay with Carmelo Hayes ending the show on top. Yeah. You know? So, that was a good match, good main event. Going to move over to SmackDown, which, of course, was a tribute episode to both Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. They opened with a 10-bell salute. They had Braun Strowman out there. They had Eric Rowan out there. Of course, the whole locker room, everyone who could be there. I know Alexa Bliss uh, wanted to, but she couldn't because the flights wouldn't work out. But they aired an incredible video package for Bray Wyatt, and then the arena saying he's got the whole world in his hands. They dimmed the lights onto Bray Wyatt's rocking chair. They also included uh, clips of Bray Wyatt throughout the night. That included QR codes to scan to see the full segments. And I thought that was a cool touch to add to this tribute show because those QR codes brought a lot of excitement for everyone last year leading up to Bray Wyatt's return. And that return was just, it was amazing. The level of electricity in the crowd at Extreme Rules, it was just such a rare thing. Uh, They also showed some tribute posts throughout the night for Terry Funk, including one from Sylvester Stallone and the same thing with Bray Wyatt from all the wrestlers, also uh, Vanessa Hudgens for Bray Wyatt as well. But the first match of the night was Rey Mysterio picking up the victory over Grayson Waller and... I thought this was a good match and on a night that would be so tough to perform, they went out there and they really set the tone for the night and they entertained the crowd. Austin Theory showed up, which was a temporary distraction for Rey Mysterio, but Santos Escobar attacked Austin Theory, who then got his leg taken out by Austin Theory and then Rey took Austin Theory out, Grayson Waller took a cheap shot at Escobar and... Ray hit the 619. Austin Theory got involved again, and Escobar took him out, and then Ray Mysterio picked up the victory there. After that, EO Sky picked up the victory over Zelina Vega to retain the championship. Uh, EO was able to escape the first code red, and then Zelina Vega stopped EO's first moonsault, and then she hit the code red, but EO rolled out of the ring, and Zelina Vega got sent into the ring steps. Not far after that, EO hit that moonsault to pick up the victory. So I enjoyed this match. After that, Cody Rhodes came out to pay tribute to Terry Funk. One of many opponents of Terry Funk was Dusty Rhodes, dating all the way back to the 70s. So I thought it was very fitting to have Cody Rhodes do this. And he told a story about how he was at an airport one time, at I think we said 11 years old, and he heard somebody yell out, too dusty calling him an egg sucking dog and it turned out to be terry funk and they aired a video package for terry funk again very well done and then cody rhodes introduced a terry funk hardcore tag team match between the street profits who picked up the victory over the brawling brutes and it's kind of funny to think about because when i think of terry funk being hardcore the first thing that comes to my mind like immediately is WCW from 2000 
because his run from ECW was before I started to watch. So I thought it was a cool way to pay tribute to Terry Funk. It wasn't much of a hardcore match, but I did appreciate Ridge Holland using Butch like Terry Funk would use a ladder. I thought that was a great spot. Bobby Lashley came out to watch and eventually he got involved to prevent Butch from using a table. He speared Butch and that allowed the Street Profits to hit that awesome new finisher through a uh, table to pick up the victory. I just wish it was more hardcore. And then we go on to the main event. Before that, actually, LA Knight came out and spoke about Bray Wyatt. And, of course, Bray's last feud was with LA Knight. So he paid tribute to Bray Wyatt, and he said that Bray, even though they faced off against each other, he realized that Bray was getting him ready for anything. He then changed his attention to The Miz, so that feud continues to heat up. And he ended that promo by saying, a wise man once told me, the next time you see me, run. And I thought that was a a cool touch. But the main event was also a former opponent of Bray Wyatt. That being Finn Balor, LA Knight picked up the victory over Finn Balor. And I I thought this was a good main event, but SmackDown ended with the ring filling up with smoke, the lights going out like The Fiend or Bray Wyatt, and the lantern lit in the ring with all the people in the crowd with the fireflies to pay tribute to Bray Wyatt. And it's still so surreal to think about Bray Wyatt not being here anymore. And again, our condolences to the families and friends of Terry Funk, to Bray Wyatt, and thank you. Thank you for all the entertainment forever. I'm going to take a quick break right now, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. What's up? This is the Shaman of Sexy, John Morrison, and you're listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 655. Uh, I thought Chris was going to be back this week. Unfortunately, not. So I'm going to dive right into some AEW Rampage from last week that kicked off with Ray Fenix picking up the victory over Commander. This was a really fun match. And I think it was the best match on the show. I think the absolute worst thing and what I would have changed from this was the referee. Why was she calling spots? But outside of that, I thought this was a really well done match. There was a Britt Baker uh, interview. There was a John Morrison promo. We saw Aussie Open pick up the victory over Brother Zay and Ethan Page to retain the ROH Tag Team Championships. Uh, I have to assume that they're defending the titles because nobody watching on TV cares about the Ring of Honor Tag Or I shouldn't say nobody, but most people don't care about the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions right now. But I don't think they should be defended before the biggest pay-per-view of all time. When the biggest storyline going into it focuses for some reason on those titles. I thought the match was decent. 
I wish they didn't go out to the to the outside. We just saw that in the in the first match a lot. But Aussie Open spoke afterwards and spoke about Wembley. The Hardy Boys cut a promo that led to a challenge later on for Dynamite. And I think if it was just any other set of titles, I'd be fine with that with these defenses. But I don't I don't know the AEW Championship and the ROH. Titles, the tag titles, I don't, I feel like they shouldn't be defended. It should just be like non-title stuff. Build up, build up the, the reputation. I don't think you need titles on the line. We saw the Righteous cut a promo, so it seems like they're going to be integrated soon somehow. So I'm looking forward to that. Sammy Guevara picked up the victory over John Cruz. Just like the last match, they all went to the outside. So at some point, it, it, Starts to become really annoying. Every single match. Nyla Rose had a promo saying that she's the most dominant former champion. She does what she wants whenever she wants. What that leads to, I have no clue. Uh, Hikaru Shida teamed up with Sky Blue to pick up the victory over the Outcasts. And all the matches went to the outside. And just like every other Outcast match, they used the spray paint. Big whoop. They attacked Hikaru Shida and Sky Blue afterwards. Britt Baker finally ran down to brawl and then Sky Blue disappeared. I thought it was a weird way to end Rampage. Moving over to Collision though, we saw Samoa Joe versus the Golden Vampire. The match itself didn't actually happen. Anybody with eyes could have seen who was under that mask. The Golden Vampire attacked Samoa Joe. Pushed the referee down to the ground. And then... Hit a bunch of CM Punk moves. Hit the saddest GTS I've ever seen. His mask comes off before the big reveal, and it's CM Punk. Awful segment. He accepted Samoa Joe's challenge for All In. That's the setup. First actual match, we saw Jay White pick up the victory over Dalton Castle. Decent match. Had some comedy spots that I could have done without, but... And it lasted a lot longer than I expected it to, but I enjoyed the match. Jay White cut a promo afterwards on Kenny Omega. Juice cut one on Hangman, and then the guns addressed the Young Bucks. Uh, it's, It's tough to see them winning against the Elite, though. After that, the Bullet Club Gold picked up the victory over Iron Savages. Always good to see Bronson and, and Boulder again. And they had a promo beforehand, so I think that's a good sign. I think that's a, a very much like the, the Righteous having their, their promo on Rampage. I think that's a sign of good things for them. Hopefully, my fingers are crossed for that. Um, I do wish that Jay faced somebody else instead of Dalton Castle if they were going to do this because both were comedy heavy. So I just wish that we didn't get... Two back-to-back comedy matches. The crowd, though, was super behind Boulder. Big time here. I thought that was pretty cool. He hit that cool, uh, the double-team end of days. I'm pretty sure we've seen him do that before. After that, they had a House of Black video where they threw Billy's boots away in a in a garbage truck, I believe. Which, that'll lead to dynamite. Roosh had a an interesting video after that where he was pissed off that LFI has been losing. 
So he wanted everybody in Mexico. They showed Preston Vance and Drillistico getting drunk. And then they got kidnapped and Jose was aware of the kidnapping. There was no follow-up at this moment. I guess collision is collision. So maybe we'll see something on Saturday. But at this moment, uh, I don't know what's going on with that. I guess Roosh is just trying to be as strong as possible for LFI. Or have LFI be as strong as possible, I should say. After that, Ricky Starks was interviewed. Apparently, AEW made a mistake and he wasn't suspended for 30 days. It was only 28 days. And he already served half the suspension already. So he'll be back to wrestling, I think, by All Out. And then, for some reason, they went from a Ricky Starks interview to a Ricky Starks video package. I didn't get that. And then they went to a Ricky Starks managing Big Bill who picked up a victory over Derek Neal. This was a nothing match. After that, Willow Nightingale picked up the victory over Diamante. Uh, I thought this week it was nice that they recognized her as the Owen Hart Cup winner. They got a lot of slack for for not doing that last week. Uh, I like this match. Mercedes Martinez came out during it to serve as a minor distraction. And then Chris Statlander came out eventually to brawl with Mercedes Martinez. And I kind of wish that Willow won maybe by disqualification or something. And then Mercedes Martinez and Chris Statlander would come out and brawl and, and do stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm happy that this took place. Uh, after that, Tony Storm was interviewed, which sets up a tag match for this week's collision. It's everybody in the match at All In. There's only one women's match at All In. That's very weird. I don't understand how. It's your biggest pay-per-view ever and you only fit one woman's match? And even if they add more, what's the storyline going into that? You guys had had weeks for this and you only built up one match. That's so goofy. After that, we saw Powerhouse Hobbs pick up the victory over Kevin Koo. Uh, I don't get two squash matches being on the same show. I think that's an odd choice, but Will Hobbs used the accolade afterwards and Miro showed up on the the video screen, compared himself to, to Powerhouse Hobbs, and now he walks alone. He wants to replace his God, etc. It just furthers whatever's going on between Hobbs and Miro. And then the main event saw Darby Allen pick up the victory over Christian, which I thought was a pretty decent main event. But most of this was just that standard Darby formula. He gets beat down the whole match, has a quick comeback, random pin to win. I think the best part of this was that spear from Christian after the sunset flip powerbomb from the top rope. I thought that was a great spot. Luchasaurus chokeslam Darby Allen afterwards and Christian made Tony Schiavone count the three. And that's how Collision ended. Not a super strong ending there, but it goes into AEW Dynamite. Uh, before they kicked off, they, they paid tribute to Terry Funk. I thought that was a, a nice thing to do. But it opens up with the Elite versus the Bullet Club Gold, which ends up not happening because Bullet Club Gold beat the Elite up. They use chairs, they hit the referee. I'm sure there's not going to be any sort of repercussions for hitting the referee. Same thing with CM Punk on Collision. No repercussions. Takeshita finally showed up after Kenny had a little bit of a comeback. They took Kenny out. 
and then FTR ran out to even the odds and Hangman was nowhere in sight. Where was Hangman? How does that make no, like, makes no sense? He, he's in the actual match at All In. I don't get that. After that, John Moxley picked up the victory over Ray Fenix. Um, it came out that Fenix might have been having issues getting a visa to travel to All In. So I went into thinking, I went into this match thinking that he was going to like very much so get killed off. We saw Mox rip Fenix's mask and then curb stop him on the ramp. And I thought that was going to be like the end. But they continued and had, overall, a pretty enjoyable match. I really liked that, uh, the the pin that Phoenix reversed from the paradigm shift. I thought that was really cool. But the, the Blackpool Combat Club went to attack Phoenix afterwards. Eddie Kingston and Penta showed up. Santana and Ortiz also showed up, which they didn't come out together. I thought that was a weird return. I don't think it was a good return for them. And then... Blackpool Combat Club attacked Phoenix. I don't think they did enough to, to quote-unquote kill him off, but he's officially off. They they hit him with a pipe or a crowbar or something, and Santana and Ortiz have aligned themselves still, I guess, with the Blackpool Combat Club. The last time we saw them, they were with them, but they were also with Eddie Kingston. And given, I think it was Ortiz has been, well, not has been, but continue to tag with Eddie Kingston. I thought maybe there'd be loyalty there. But I don't remember if anything happened between the two of them. I, I It was so long ago, I just, I can't remember. So we, we officially know more members of the Blackpool Combat, Blackpool Combat Club's team at All In. We got the Bucks and FTR interviewed later on, and now they're no longer buddy-buddy, so... That just further pushes that match for the tag titles. Still hope that FTR retain the titles. We saw Sammy Guevara interviewed earlier. And he was asked why he helped out Chris Jericho last week. And then Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, and Daniel Garcia showed up. And they were like, what the hell? And he said, basically said he's, he's always going to have Chris Jericho's back. And they don't want him to get blindsided. Because Chris Jericho may not be there for him when he needs it. Then we go into Chris Jericho and Will Ospreay signing their contract for their match. Ospreay uh, Ospreay signed his contract and brought up how he's better than CM Punk. He has six months left on his contract with New Japan and then questioned why somebody wouldn't want to pay for him. And then Chris Jericho said that this match is bigger than WrestleMania. It's bigger than any Tokyo Dome show. It led to a pull-apart brawl, but I don't think Jericho versus Will Ospreay is bigger than Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. I understand you got to sell that that pay-per-view. I I mean, you really don't have to sell the pay-per-view at this point because (laughs) they sold it. But uh, yeah, it was just a a standard pull-apart brawl and... I still don't understand why they set up a tag match last week for it to only be a singles match. After that, we saw Darby Allen and Nick Wayne pick up the victory over Swerve and AR Fox. <sighs> right before a pay-per-view, I don't think this makes sense. Having Nick Wayne not be in the pay-per-view match, I think still makes no sense. 
having this open exactly how the Elite vs. Bullet Club Gold did makes no sense. So, like, how it continued to be a match, even though it opened pretty much the same way. Apparently, it was a tornado tag with no rules. I have no idea when that got set up. That wasn't advertised, I don't think. But you're literally having the same match. It's no rules on on the pay-per-view. How does that make sense? Just because Nick Wayne's involved? And then in true Darby Allen fashion... They get beat down for most of this and then Nick Wayne wins with a pin reversal. Same old Darby Allen match, always. And then afterwards, Swerve was disappointed in AR Fox. He called him a loser. He told him this was a test that he failed. And then had Prince Nana fire AR Fox. And Brian Cage showed up at out of nowhere, beat the hell out of AR Fox. Sting showed up, Darby Allen and Nick Wayne came back out, and then Darby made AR Fox hug him. Forget about Darby Allen's friend, Nick Wayne, standing right next to him, who just a few weeks ago got killed by AR Fox, bloodied up, left a bloody mess. Forget about that. We don't care. Let's hug. That makes so much sense. Let's forget about the past that happened three or four weeks ago. You'll always be my friend, A.R. Fox. Let's hug. And then Luchasaurus and Christian came out. Christian did the dead father gimmick. This was a mess of a segment. I didn't. Uh, I did not like this. It seems like it sets up a four versus four coffin match now. I have no idea what the the deal with that. If it's going to be two on two, four on four, I have no idea. After that, Ruby Soho picked up the victory over Sky Blue. This began just like the opening contest, just like the previous match. I don't think this was a bad match, though. It wasn't a surprising victory. But I just wish that they didn't open the match the same exact way. This was the same thing on, on the other on the other card. Why do you open up the match the same exact way if you're doing it in the previous match and in the previous match? But this, the outcome of this, Ruby Soho wants Chris Statlander. Does that get booked for All In? I Probably not. Maybe that gets saved for All Out. But still having one women's match is just absurd. After that, the Acclaim came out. No music. They hit the ring. They want the House of Black. House of Black show up. They beat him down. Billy Gunn returned to a huge pop. And... The House of Black just stopped what they were doing. They left and Billy Gunn laid out a challenge for All In. That match gets set up. He's no longer daddy ass. He's badass Billy Gunn. Badass is back. Throughout the night, we saw Renee Young, Renee Paquette interviewing MJF, Adam Cole, and then Roderick Strong. The only reason why I think the Ring of Honor match closing AEW this week makes sense is because of MJF and Adam Cole. Because they're wrestling for them on zero hour. But Aussie Open picked up the victory over the Hardy Boys to retain the titles. The referee had no control. Not much really happened in this match. They didn't have a lot of time. It was a beyond abrupt ending. And then Aussie Open spoke afterwards, which prompted MJF and Adam Cole to come out. They brawled. 
Adam Cole almost kicked MJF, but MJF caught him. Then he held up the title. Then he went and put on his ring. He teased turning on Adam Cole. He put the ring away. A lot of teasing. They hugged. I think this is probably the first time in history that I've ever seen a go-home show end with hype for the pre-show. Maybe. Moving over to AEW All-In, though, taking place at Wembley Stadium in London, England. The biggest show AEW has ever done. Over 80,000-plus fans in attendance. Uh, it opens up. We have that that zero-hour match. Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships on the line. Aussie Open taking on MJF and Adam Cole. I'm going to say Aussie Open retains. And then that could lead to the main event unless they do the thing where the, the MJF and Adam Cole win the titles and then they go into it and the turn happens during the main event. Maybe we do get new ROH Tag Team Champions next week. Something added, I think, on Collision. It was supposed to happen on Dynamite. Jungle Jack got pushed back to Collision. The FTW Championship is on the line. Jack Perry defending the title against Hook. So I guess the title's not retired and Hook's probably taking it. We have four of the AEW World Tag Team Championships. FTR defending the titles against the, against the Young Bucks. I'm sticking with FTR. I really hope that they retain the titles. For the AEW Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida is defending the title against the Outcasts, Tony Storm and Soraya, and Dr. Britt Baker. I think this is Soraya's match given how they're in London, but I'm hoping that Hikaru Shida retains. I don't see that happening, though. So I'm going to say Hikaru Shida, but I feel like we could see Soraya win. We have a coffin match that, as of right now, is still a tag match. Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Sting's never lost. So Sting and Darby Allen. The Golden Elite, Kota Ibushi, Hangman Adam Page, and Kenny Omega taking on Takeshita, Juice Robinson, and Jay White. I'm going to say the Golden Elite. We have not seen Kota Ibushi since Blood and Guts. But I feel like they're going to probably come out on top. Stadium Stampede, we got Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, Best Friends, and Penta. Versus the Blackpool Combat Club and Santana and Ortiz. I don't know. I don't know who to pick in this match. I'm going to say Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, best friends in Penta. Maybe. Chris Jericho taking on Will Ospreay. I think Ospreay should win, so hopefully Ospreay wins this. Maybe there's a beatdown segment afterwards. Maybe the Jericho Appreciation Society reform, regroup. They help him? I have no idea. For the Real World Championship, not to be confused with MTV's The Real World, CM Punk defending the title against Samoa Joe. 
CM Punk. AEW World Trios match. House of Black taking on Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed. Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed, I think, are walking out with the victory there. And then for the AEW World Championship, MJF defending that title against Adam Cole. I'm going to say MJF retains. Or maybe Matt Taven, Roderick Strong, and Mike Bennett help out Adam Cole. I do think that we'll see Adam Cole turn on MJF, though. I don't think it'll be the other way around. But maybe they'll surprise us and they won't turn. Seems likely, though. And then uh, another match gets set up for All Out the next week. So, that's AEW Talk. Uh, Hey, Brandon, got any shout-outs? I am Grover, and you're listening to Brandon's Shout-Outs. The first shout-out goes to Fortnite, uh, which is goofy to say. I hate that I'm saying it, but (laughs) we said it the other week. It's cool that they added Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair to uh, to this game as skins that you could purchase. And when it was first rumored that we would get WWE stuff, more WWE stuff, I should say, I was hoping for like Roman Reigns. I saw people thinking Cody Rhodes, but they added Bianca Belair, they added Becky Lynch, and now we have The Rock as Black Adam. We have The Rock as a a Fortnite storyline character. We have John Cena as John Cena, which comes with his music taunt. I wish Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair came with musical taunts, Mm -hmm. but... I uh, I have those now. I don't have the Rock Fortnite skin. I'm not. I don't think I'd purchase that one. But I have Black Adam and I have John Cena. So how much are these purchases? Uh, ridiculously priced. Like what are we uh, talking? I here? think these this pack uh, was twenty four hundred V bucks. So it would be about twenty something dollars. I think for both of them. Damn. So Together. really, they're making a ton of money off of all of this. Yeah. But if you have V-Bucks built up, every every season pass comes with a, a certain amount of free V-Bucks. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially build up your free V-Bucks and, and purchase that. I had V-Bucks left over from when I purchased John Cena. Yeah. And, uh, and then I've just been building them up with the season pass. So I ended up buying the season pass, which I got more back from. Mm-hmm. I ended up, I ended up uh, buying that and you get... I was I had uh I was 400 short. And when I bought the season pass because you get V-bucks from that also uh like with the paid season pass I ended up with 2200. So I was just 200 V-bucks short, but you have to buy uh I think it's increments of 1000 at least. This is like the minimum you're allowed to buy. Hmm. So but yeah, shout out to Fortnite there. The next shout out goes to Killing It, which is a show on Peacock. The second season was just released and I'm finally getting around to watching the show starring Craig Robinson and Claudio Doherty. Uh Craig Robinson is the main character where he's just trying to pursue the American dream really and ends up having to enter a python killing challenge. And I definitely put off watching this way too long. And I'm really enjoying the show. So I would highly recommend checking it out. Also on uh, America's Got Talent this week, Craig Robinson was randomly on. 
and performed a thousand miles and Terry Crews performed it. So I thought that was cool because Terry did that for white chicks. So, yeah. And that's, that's such a talented performance in white chicks too. <laughs> yeah. So just, just watch killing it on Peacock. And I figured that's why he was there, but I don't think, I don't even think they mentioned killing it. So, but uh, the yeah. last shout out goes to Sasha Banks versus Bailey from NXT takeover Brooklyn. I feel like it should always be brought up around this time of the anniversary of their match because it's crazy. It's been eight years since that match. Wow. But it's definitely one of my favorite matches, if not my like absolute favorite match that I've seen live. So, and I still think it should have main evented that, that card. Mm-hmm. So check it out this weekend. It's on Peacock. It's on WW Network. It's NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. But those are my shout outs. Now it's time for... Our Markout Moment of the Week. That is right, our Markout Moment of the Week. Uh, I think big one, big one is uh, GCW Homecoming. Matt Cardona and Steph DeLander came out in an Ecto-1 with a special Ghostbusters parody theme song for their match against Nick Gage and uh, Maki Ito. Yeah, the fans were not buying it at all. Uh, I think that's got to be like the coolest entrance you'll ever see in an independent wrestling setting. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely marked out for that. I mean, his own theme song, they were decked out in the Ghostbusters attire. You know, yeah. um, very, very, very cool entrance. They also aired a other? trailer. Yeah, they aired a trailer for Kurt Angle's documentary that I had no clue was even a thing coming out on Peacock next Saturday. It looks fantastic. They have interviews from Stone Cold. They have interviews uh, interviews from The Rock. So I'm definitely looking forward to watching that on Peacock. It's just called Angle. Um, they also dropped a trailer for the movie Cassandro this week, which is based on a true story based on the luchador Cassandro, who is probably the most famous exotico in Lucha Libre. He's being portrayed by uh, Gael, Garcia, uh, Gar- Gael Garcia Bernal, in this movie, and Bad Bunny's also in it, El Hijo Del Santo's in it, it's going to be in theaters with a limited release on September 15th, and then it's coming to Amazon Prime on September 22nd, so I'm looking forward to seeing that, I think that's really cool that there's uh, such a a big name person like Gael Garcia Bernal playing Cassandro, and that this story is even going to be told in, in film. It will definitely be interesting to see. And then a trailer Mm -hmm. for a Netflix docuseries was released this week as well called Wrestlers about OVW, which will follow Al Snow and a bunch of OVW wrestlers, which, again, had no clue this was even being made. So it was cool cool that it was cool that this popped up this week. It's going to be released on September 13th. And what is this going to be on? On Netflix. Huh. The press release from Netflix kept referring to it as OVF uh-huh. instead of OVW, which I thought was weird. I feel like that's just a huge mistake on their end. But they tout Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Batista, Randy Orton, and Miz uh, 
as being former trainees there. And I don't know if we're going to see, I feel like we're probably going to see footage of them from OVW in this yeah, I, docu-series. Should so, be really interesting. But yeah, that's uh, you, you don't have any mark-out moments outside, right? No, sir. So that is episode 655. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow us at Marking Out on Twitter, at Marking Out 11 on Instagram and on uh, in, Instagram and YouTube, sorry. TikTok's at Marking Out, MarkingOut.com, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, <laughs> Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, so much more. BTTG161 on Instagram and Twitter. David PTDPT on Twitter and Instagram and and uh, what is the other thing called? Threads. Threads, yeah, that's, that's something now. That's something. As well, Chris Sween Dog on Twitter, CM Sweeney eighty five on Instagram, and we wish you the the best of luck in your future endeavors. Your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week. Ah.